outline of the sermon. If you want to follow along in that, it was in the email that received, you received from the church this week, or it's also posted there on Facebook if you want to catch, catch that there and follow along. So, so sorry, those of you at home, that we played, that Johnny chose to play that song. And Bree, I saw your comment, so, but it was great. So I wish you guys could have been here. Hey, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to finish uh, a section that we started last week from verse 7 in 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, probably really don't need to turn there. But if you want to, uh, go ahead and find Exodus chapter 14. We're going to spend a little bit of time there and make the application this, this morning. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13.7 says this, uh, speaking about agape love, it always protects, always trusts. That's where we were last week, where we're going to finish again today. And we pointed out that some versions, instead of, says, instead of saying always trusts, says believes all things. Uh, then it goes on and says, always hopes, always perseveres. We pointed out last week that the word that Paul uses for trust or believes means putting confidence in, or at least has that connotation of putting confidence in or reliance on. Last week we saw that agape love means that we can have confidence in, which means that we can believe uh, or, or we can understand that God believes in us to be saved, which really has the idea that we have value uh, or to be strong, which means no matter what we face, no matter what we're going through, he's standing beside us, behind us, around us. Uh, he literally is spotting us to, to help us in time of need. So, so we can have a confidence, but we also, the second thought there is that we can have a, because of agape love, we can have a reliance on. So this is our reliance. This is what we can rely on, that we can trust in him. Because of agape love, because God loves us with agape love, we can trust in Him. Uh, and really just going to look at one point this morning, um, uh, and it's simply this. We can rely on Him, trust in Him to show up. If God loves us with a perfectly selfless love, agape love, then we can rely on Him to show up. Uh, and, and we're going to look at two things. Uh, we, we can rely on Him to show up, first of all, in our time of need. For those of you that are, uh, are, are, are clock watchers, uh, when we get to the second point of this, we'll, we'll be about done. So, so we can rely on him to show up in our time of need. If you have your Bible, flip over to Psalm chapter 33. I'm not going to read this, but I want you to look at it later. So you can jot that down. Psalm 33, 12 to 18. But I also want you to look at Psalm 34, 15. Psalm 34, 15 says this, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. Now let me make this suggestion, that our God, who we can trust in because of his agape love, our God will show up in our time of need. Now those of us who are parents understand this concept, that our kids learn fairly early in life that they can rely on us to show up. When, when they get hungry, all they have to do is cry, and someone okay, mom, uh, someone shows up to feed them. Now, I know some of you that are trapped home with teenagers uh, are saying, well, nothing's changed in all these years. They're still crying out and I feed them. Uh, when, when they're uncomfortable, their, their diaper is wet or dirty uh, and it's making, them, uh, making it hard for them to sleep, they scream and someone shows up. When they're a little bit older and they fall down and skin their knee or bump their elbow, all they have to do is holler out and someone shows up. It's been a few years ago now, but Rita and I 
took a trip to Southern California to uh, Seal Beach. Her, her mom had lived there for a number of years. Uh, I've talked about that before, and we had vacationed out there, Reed and I, as well as our family, many times. And, and so a few years after she passed away, we vacationed out there just to kind of remember, uh, reminisce uh, about our times there. Uh, so we were sitting on the beach. It was a beautiful summer afternoon, and uh, the, the sun was shining, the, the waves were crashing on the shore, we were listening to that and just relaxing. Rita was, was stretched out on a beach chair reading a book. I, I was doing the same thing, except I had a bag of chips beside me. And, and so I'm, I've got a book in one hand, and I reached down and grabbed a, a chip and was bringing it towards my mouth. Uh, well, let me, let me be honest, it was a handful of chips, because that's how I roll. Uh, so I was bringing a, a handful of chips towards my mouth when I heard it. And as soon as I did, I, I froze. I stopped. Now, now, a plane could have crashed in front of me, and I still would have put the chips in my mouth before I called 911. But, uh, but, but I froze. It, it was just one word. And when I heard that, I stopped. Uh, it, it was about 30 yards to my right, right along the shoreline, about where the, the, the waves were crashing on the shore. I heard that one word and my head popped up and my eyes turned towards the sound of that word and my my chips were frozen midair and I heard that one word now some of you might be able to guess I'll see if anyone we just have a couple people here you know what that word was help that would have been a good one wouldn't help it was dad I, I heard dad now it, it took me a while to, to, for it to sink in, that my kids were all grown up, all of them moved away from home. At this time, they were all married and had kids of their own. Plus, they were fifteen to 1,600 miles away. But instinctively, when I heard someone cry out, Dad, I froze, my head popped up, and I turned towards that sound. Now, now if me, who definitely isn't the best dad in the world, uh, I should have a T-shirt at home that said "Average Dad" instead of "Best Dad." At best, I'm average. If I instinctively respond to that cry, "Dad," if that's my instinct, if that's what comes natural to me, what do you think God would do? See, it is who God is. It is who God is to show up when we cry out in need. Now. I'm sure that some of you are already thinking this, and, and if not, in the, the days to come, you might find yourself with this thought. Uh, possibly you, you haven't even let it come to your consciousness. It, it's, you feel bad about it, so you kind of keep it, keep it down. And, and if not here soon, there's times in life where this definitely comes up. But, but I wonder if some of us haven't already thought at least a little bit this question, God God, where are you? God, right in the middle of this crisis, God, why aren't you showing up? Uh, I couldn't begin to share with you the number of times that I've, that I've made my wife mad at me. Or let me rephrase it, that my wife has got mad at me. It would probably fill volumes. But I remember one time in particular when she was absolutely furious with me. And can I interject here? You can believe it or not, it wasn't my fault. So, so guys at home, just kind of look over at your wife and smile because usually, usually it's not our fault, right? Okay, usually it is our fault, but, uh, but this time it, it wasn't. 
we hadn't been in Russville very long, so it's been 30 plus years ago when this happened. The days before cell phones, let, let, me, let me add that little caveat. Uh, we had gone to St. Joe. Rita was playing on a softball team for uh, a women's softball team for DeKalb Christian Church where my friend Dan Muter was minister. I mentioned Dan last week. Uh, and so, so I dropped her off at the Ball Diamond uh, there at Hyde Park. Uh, we were early, and so I said, Rita, I'm going to go hit a bucket of golf balls. I'm going to go to Cardinal Creek and hit a bucket of golf balls. So, so I dropped her, and then I said, I'm going to go hit the golf balls, and I'm going to come back. And, and I, I planned to be there right as the game started and, and then pick her up when the game was over. So, so I went to Cardinal Creek and uh, began to hit my golf balls. And, and I, I hadn't been there very long when I, when I noticed the wind kind of pick up a little bit. And I looked to the southwest, and, and there was a little bit of a dark, clouds starting to roll in uh and and then it just got darker and darker so i began to hit my golf balls a little bit uh, a little bit faster because uh, i i thought for a, for a moment maybe i should go ahead and leave and go get read and stay in case it starts to rain but i'd paid for that bucket of balls so i wasn't going to leave till i hit the last one so so i hur- hurried through them got in the car the the, the five minute drive back to hyde park took me about three minutes on the way there the wind picked up it started to and as I pulled in the parking lot to get Rita, the parking lot was empty. There was no one there, no Rita, uh, save one car. There was one car parked at the end of the parking lot. Uh, I, I'll be honest, I started to get just a little bit upset with Rita because I told her I was coming back to get her. But what, what had happened, she'd got in the car with Dan and Marla and had they had taken her home, so I assumed. So so I was a little ticked that she didn't wait for me, but I drove home. I got to Rustville. I walked in the house, and I hollered, Rita, I'm home, and no answer. And I looked around. I didn't see her. And then I started to get really upset. Why didn't she have Dan and Marlip bring her to our house? Instead, they went to their house in the cab. Now, I'm going to have to get in the car and drive all the way to the cab. It's five miles. But I'm going to have to drive all the way to the cab and pick her up. And so I decided there's not one of my finer moments. Um, hopefully, I've matured a little bit since then. It's 30 years ago. Not one of my finer moments, but, uh, but, but I thought, I'm going to make her wait. I'm just, so I sat down, turned the TV on, and, and uh, you know, I'm not going to get in a big hurry to go pick her up. And, and, and I kept waiting for her to call, and she did, so I got a little more upset. So finally, after about 20 minutes, I got on the phone. I called Dan and said, hey, Dan, I need to talk to Rita. And he said, she's not here. And I said, Dan, quit, quit messing with me. Put Rita on the phone. He said, Tim, we left her at the ball diamond. It, it, it was about this moment that I realized just how much trouble I was in. I jumped in the car. The 15-minute drive took me 10 minutes. I pulled in the parking lot, and there Rita was standing. Uh, apparently, when I'd pulled in earlier, uh, the tornado sirens had just gone off, and so she was hiding in the concession stand with the concession stand worker. That's the car, the lone car I saw in the parking lot. Uh, when we're expecting someone to show up, and they don't, a natural response, an acceptable response, an understood response, a defendable response would be to get mad, to be upset. You said you were coming. You said you were going to show up. Why didn't you? So, so you can understand Rita being up upset now now if you have your bibles turn with me to exodus chapter 14 uh i'm going to read some verses there but before i do i want to i want to set the scene 
about what was happening before we we talk about the verses uh, that we're going to read. Israel had just been had just been freed from captivity. They had just received their deliverance. Uh, they had been in Egypt for over 400 years. A good part of that time, they had been in uh, in slavery. So 400 years they had been in Egypt, and they had just been delivered. God had delivered them in a mighty way. Uh, in, in, in fact, as they left uh, uh, Egypt, it, it wasn't just that they got to leave and, and for the first time experienced freedom. But God had caused Egypt to, uh, to, to look kindly on them, and, and all they had to do was ask, and their Egyptian neighbors handed them, Scripture tells us this, handed them their gold, their silver, and their clothes. So, so uh, Israel marched out of Egypt free for the first time in generations, but not only free, but with all their livestock, with all the gold, silver, and clothes that the Egyptians had. Scripture says that they fleeced the Egyptian nation. So now they're walking into the desert with all of this stuff. Man, God has shown up in a, in a mighty way. And, and they might have asked, well, where are we going? How are we going to know how to find it? Well, Scripture says that God led them during the daytime by a pillar of cloud and at night by a pillar of fire. So, so, so catch this. They, they've been delivered. They've been set free from captivity. They fleeced Egypt. There's a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire leading them uh, as a constant reminder of God's presence. And then, then we see what happens next. Uh, Exodus chapter 14, uh, starting with verse 10. As Pharaoh approached. Now, if you read a little bit earlier, what you see there is that, uh, is that Egypt... Uh, chain, had a change of heart. Actually, God caused that to happen, and they began to pursue. Pharaoh was upset that he let them go, and they pursued. So look at verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, what is it? Or was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die here in the desert. They saw trouble and were terrified. They thought God was not showing up. And and when someone doesn't show up, the natural response is to get upset, to get mad. They were asking the question, ultimately, God, where are you? Now, now here's the reality. I can understand. An, an army was pursuing them. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what was going to hap- happen. They were trapped. The, the Red Sea was on one side. Uh, behind them were chariots, soldiers carrying spears. The whole Egyptian army was closing in on them. I think in that hopeless moment, I would have been mad as well. But now catch this. When we are gripped by fear, when we are gripped by fear, we lose sight of the fact that God has shown up in the past. Let me, let me say that again. When we're gripped by fear, we lose sight of the fact that God has shown up in the past. In a matter of days, Israel had forgotten how God had shown up previously. They had forgotten that God had shown up in a mighty way and protected them. They, they forgot that that death had not visited their homes. 
because death had passed over them uh, as a preview of what Jesus would do on the cross because of the blood of the Lamb on their doorposts, death hadn't visited their homes. They'd forgot, forgotten that God had shown up in a mighty way. They'd forgotten about the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire that was leading. In fact, the, the pillar of cloud was still there. It was still right there in front of them, getting ready to lead them across the Red Sea. But instead of looking at the pillar, instead of doing that, they chose this. They, they took their eyes off the pillar and instead placed it on their pursuers. They took their eyes off the pillar and placed it on their problems. They took their eyes off the pillar and placed it on their plight. Now, now I, I can understand. I, I get it. It's easy for us to take our eyes off, off of God, off the pillar. It's so easy for us to take our eyes off the presence of God. So church, when we are tempted, we are tempted to get lost in our fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of health issues, fear of financial problems, fear of lack of control, fear of death. When we are tempted to get angry or at least doubt and question and ask this question, where are you, why haven't you shown up? If we're honest, then then. We have to admit as believers, when we have fear, aren't we really saying, God, where are you? Church, I I would simply ask you to do this. Keep your eyes on the pillar and remember how God has shown up in the past. Psalm 121, 1-3 says this, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Can you remember a time when God showed up in a mighty way in your life? Can you remember a time when you were gripped in fear, stymied by the unknown, beaten down by your predicament? A time when you said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. But you dropped to your knees and you cried out to God and he showed up. Church, we... We have testimonies of when God has shown up in our lives. Let's remember those stories. In fact, can I, can I encourage you? Can I encourage you to try to let other people know those stories? Hebrews chapter 10, uh, 23 to 25 says this, And let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now, let us not give up meeting together. Now, I realize that's a little bit difficult for us now, but as some of the habit are doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Now, now I know in this time of, of isolation, we, we go to Facebook, social media, and we, we, some of us put political posts, some of us put those little games up there where you fill in the blank, uh, you know, my, my first date was when, or my favorite color is this, and all those types of things, and those are fine. But, but can I encourage some of you to start making posts about when God showed up? It doesn't have to be grandiose. You don't have to be pointing at yourself. You don't have to make a big deal out of it. But church, church, we have testimonies. And if we would be willing to share the times that God has shown up in our life, even if it's a small thing, two things happen. Number one, we're reminded. We're reminded that God showed up. Israel should have remembered that they had just left Egypt. They left with a plunder. They should have remembered that the pillar was before them. Uh, when we remember 
when God showed up in the past, it, it not only helps us re- remember that, but it encourages others in, in this time of uncertainty of fear. That God is still there and he'll show up in our need. Now, now let's go back to the, the passage. We're, we're going to see uh, three things that Moses uh, encourages us with, three things that he tells us to do, and we're going to see one thing that God commands us to do. Here's, here's what he says as we, we look on verse 13 and verse 14. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. The, the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Here, here's the first thing, first, thing, first thing he says. He says, have no fear. They, they were terrified. Uh, verse 10, verse 13 have no fear do not be afraid romans eight thirty one says what then shall we say in response to this if god is for us then who can be against us let me make this this point if god is god that's kind of a big statement actually but if god is god then we need to follow moses advice and have no fear if the one who created the world if if god is god if he if he created the world and he's the one that's holding it together, if, if he indeed loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for us, and, and, and then, then he knows our need and, and listens to us, if God is God, then we need to follow Moses' advice. Now, now opposite of that is true as well. If God is not God, then, <laughs> then we need to be afraid. Recently, I spoke to someone uh, and they shared with me that they didn't believe in God. They didn't believe there was a God. Uh, actually, I thanked them for their honesty. I appreciate them being honest uh, with me. Uh, th- they went on to, to share how this, this event is causing them great, uh, great fear. They're, they're scared. They're, they're wanting to go home and just hide out. And, and, and I agreed with their assessment. Now, I didn't say that to them out loud, but I agreed with their assessment. If God is not God, if, if there is no God, then yeah. This is scary stuff. You should go home and be scared. If God is not God, I give you permission to panic. But if God is God, if God is God, then hey, we can still be careful. We can be respectful. We can practice social distancing. We can try to avoid being infected. We can be concerned for for others. We can do our part to prevent the spread. But we can also live without fear. So Moses said, do not be afraid. The second thing he said was stand firm. He said, stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the, the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. In essence, what Moses was saying to them was, was to, to look at the pillar and, and, and not the army. Because I imagine what was happening when they saw the, the army pursued. They saw this dust cloud up. Maybe they could see the chariots. Maybe they could hear the, 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 the thunder of those chariots and the, 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 the steps of the soldier. I imagine all of Israel had pivoted and turned and they were looking. They were looking at the army. And, and when Moses said, stand firm, really what he was saying was turn around, look at the pillar that's still there that is representing God. We, we find out later uh, on in this chapter that actually there was an angel of the Lord in that pillar. He says, turn, instead, stand firm and look at that pillar and see your deliverance. 
a while back, I, I went over to St. Joe and I exited off I-29 onto Frederick Boulevard. And uh, as, I, as I started up the exit, I saw the light turn from green to yellow to red. And those of you that know me know probably uh, my reaction. Like, <laughs> and so I was the first car in line, so I pulled up. And even though 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love is patient, and even though Galatians tells us that one of the fruit of the spirits is patient, you know me well enough, I've been very honest, my wife would concur that patience is, is not a strong suit. And so I sat at the light, and this is what I did, and I do this all the time. Instead of watching, watching my light, instead of waiting for my deliverance to come, which would be a green light, this is what I did. I, I wonder if anyone else does this. I watched the other light instead. I'm watching the light from the, the cross traffic. Because when I see it go from green to yellow to red, then I'm ready to go. So I, I'm sitting there, not watching my light. I got my eyes on that light. And it, it seems to be staying green for way too long. And I'm sitting there like, why? And I'm beginning to get impatient. I probably was, was tapping the steering wheel. I probably was muttering under my breath. And right then I heard a beep, beep from the car behind me. And I'm thinking, but then I, as I glanced up the rearview mirror, I figured that it was someone had pulled behind me that knew me. They, they recognized me and they wanted to honk. I thought maybe Charlotte Thomas had pulled up behind me and Charlotte, when I looked at my rearview mirror, Charlotte was going to be back there waving at me. Well, the person in the car behind me was waving. It wasn't Charlotte. And it wasn't a hello, Tim kind of wave, if you get my drift. Uh, when I took my eyes off the rearview mirror, I looked at the light and the light was green. Well, apparently what had happened, the sun was shining at the perfect angle to make that green light appear like it was staying green. And it had already changed to yellow to red and mine to green. But I wasn't watching my deliverance. Moses says, uh, stand firm. I, I, realized, I realized just how easy it, it was for Israel or how difficult it would have been for them to keep their eye on the pillar. How easy it would have been for them to take it off and put it on the pursuing army. And I realize in this time of pandemic and crisis, man, it's going to be easy for us to take our eyes off God. Every newscast begins with coronavirus updates, new cases, more death, uncontrolled spread, fear and hopelessness. Man, it's easy to put our eyes on the pursuing army. But Moses said, stand firm, keep your eyes on the pillar, and you'll see your deliverance. And, and, and then he says this in, uh, in verse 14. He says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Can I, can I boil this down? Uh, hopefully this isn't, I'm not being too simple here, but what's causing our fear? What's causing our tension and, and, and uh our, our, our struggle. What, what, what's causing? I, I think it really boils down to one of two things, or both of them. Number one, it's our health. Uh, we're, we're afraid we might get sick, and let's be honest. For most of us, most of us adults, it's really probably less about ourselves and more about maybe our parents or uh, our children or grandchildren, our spouse, our, our loved ones. We're we're not so worried about ourselves, but we're what if something happened to someone I loved, a family member or a friend? So we're worried about what might happen. Church, can I remind you of a promise? Now, I know we're still going to have concerns. I know we're still going to worry, even though Scripture says 
Do not be anxious about anything, but we're human. But can I remind you of a promise? The one thing that is at the core of our fear is something that Jesus has already conquered. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 55, starting with verse 55, it says this, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has already won the victory. And that's why Paul says in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ. If I live, that's great. I get to serve. But to die is gain. We should not fear a battle. I know this is simplistic, church, but let's just, let's just boil it down. We should not fear a battle that Jesus has already fought and won. Be worried for your kids? Yes. Be, be worried about family members? Of course. But, but we shouldn't fear what Jesus has already won or already fought and won. And the second thing, let's, let's be honest, deals with our finances. We have financial worries. We have no idea what the, the future is going to be. This, this is going to mess up our country, and, and there's going to be repercussions for, for quite some time. But, but Jesus are, has already spoken to it. In, in Matthew chapter 6, 31 to 34, words of Jesus, Jesus speaking to us, says this. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom. Put your eye on the pillar. Keep first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will get, be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And later on in Matthew chapter 10, 29 to 31, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Yes, if your, hope, uh, if your hope is in things of the world, you should be afraid. And, and church, let me just be honest. It's okay for us to glance at our 401k balance and kind of shake our head, and put our, our face in our hands and just like, oh, no. One of Rita's coworkers said this week, uh, lamenting, I'm going to have to work till I'm 70. But our hope is not in our bank account. Our hope is in the Lord. So Moses' encouragement is this. Don't fear. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and he will fight. Now, now as we move forward in verse 15, God gives us a, a command. And this is what he says, verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Tell the Israelites to move on. So, so let me suggest that we need to move forward. Maybe God is giving us, church, an opportunity to stand up in the face of this crisis and boldly proclaim, boldly stand on the principles that we've been preaching to other people all along. Maybe God's given us this opportunity to boldly prove our faith that we believe that God has won the battle over sin and death. Church, Maybe this is a time that instead of giving in to our fear, we run to our faith. Maybe this is a time that we boldly proclaim our faith and even 
even if it affects us with, with, our, 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 with an illness or with death, we keep our eyes on the pillar and we proclaim our deliverance. George Everett Ross says this. He says, I've served in ministry 30 years. I've come to understand there are two kinds of faith. One says if, and the other says though. One says, if everything goes well, if my life is prosperous, if I'm happy, if no one I love dies, if I'm successful, then I will believe in God, say my prayers, go to church, and give what I can. The other says, though. Though the cause of evil prosper, though I sweat in Gethsemane, though I must drink my cup at Calvary, nevertheless, precisely then, I will trust the Lord who made me. Maybe God is calling us to move forward. And, and finally, church, and we'll, we'll finish with this. We're almost done here. Uh, our, our reliance is we can trust him to show up, to show up in our time of need, but we also can trust him to show up at the right time. Do you ever wonder why, why God didn't show up in, in this story in Exodus 14, why God didn't show up just a little bit earlier? Why didn't God, because we see later on that God told Moses to hold out his staff, the Red Sea parted, they crossed. We know the story. We've all watched the movie Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. And we, know, we know what happens. But why, why didn't God show up just a tad bit earlier? Why didn't he show up before they saw the Egyptian army, show up, hold out his staff, the Red Sea part, they get all, all of them on the other side. And from the other side of the Red Sea, after they'd already seen, again, God show up in a mighty way, on the other side, then they see the Egyptian army. It would have been a different story. I think instead of being terrified, instead of making stupid statements like, well, there are not enough graves in Egypt. We had to come out here and die. Hey, we didn't even want to leave there at all. Instead of doing all that stupid stuff and getting scared, if, if they'd been on the other side when they saw the trouble coming, it'd have been a different story. I think they would have said, this is going to be good. Hey, mom, pop some popcorn. Let's sit down and watch. Because I think they could have anticipated what was going to happen. We've seen the movie. As soon as the Egyptian army got into the, 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 the Red Sea, it, it, the, the waters crashed down on and destroyed. They could have predicted that was exactly what was going to happen. Why didn't God show up just a little bit earlier? I don't have the answer for this. I don't know the why. But I know it to be true. I've seen it too many times. God rarely shows up when we think he should. God rarely shows up when we think he should. And oftentimes he doesn't even show up how we think he should. But he always shows up at the right time. Let me conclude with this. Let me share a story uh, of a time when God showed up in a mighty way. Maybe not when we thought it should happen, and maybe, maybe not in the way we even expected. But, but God showed up actually for my wife, Rita. It was about eight and a half years ago, uh, and God showed up in a way she didn't anticipate. Her mom was living with us, Virginia. She had uh, been given a terminal diagnosis of cancer and placed on hospice. She had been treating it for for quite some time, but, but the doctors finally said, there's nothing more we can do, and put her on hospice, said she's got a couple months to live. Th- that was about a week before we were to leave. I was to, to, to leave my first mission trip to Mexico from, from the church at, uh, in St. Joe Central Christian. 
Rita was going on that trip, and uh, as as it got closer, Rita began to talk to the nurses. Uh, it, will it be okay for me to be gone? And they assured her that everything would be fine. In fact, we had it all worked out. Uh, relatives from Michigan were going to come through, and they were going to stay with her part of the week. We had other people lined up. Rita had it all figured out. The, the nurses said, it's going to be okay. She's got a couple months, and 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 yet Rita just had this had this uneasiness. And, and so on Friday, before we were to leave Saturday morning, Rita prayed this prayer that morning. God, God, give me peace. Show me what I'm supposed to do. A mere 12 hours before we were to leave, Rita got her confirmation. Her mom took a, a turn for the worse, and Rita knew that she had to do what, what she knew she had to do and cancel her trip and stay home. She, t- she told me, go ahead and go, I'll be fine without you. I was nervous about that, but, but I was leading the trip and felt like I had to go. And, and, and so Rita stayed home with her. Uh, on Tuesday of that week, I'm in Juarez, Mexico. My phone rings about 10.30 at night, and it's my wife. And she says, says to me, my, my, my mom's gone. Uh, earlier that evening, Rita had, had sat in her mom's room and she had noticed that day that her mom was slipping further and further away. And, and so Rita sat beside her and did something that was, was not her, not in her wheelhouse, something that she probably wouldn't normally do. She began to sing to her mom. And, and all she sang was the chorus to an old hymn. And these are the words. I, I can't read them. I have to sing them. Sorry. What a day that will be when my Jesus I will see and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Rita said she Sang, went upstairs to change into her pajamas, came back downstairs, and her mom was gone. Rita and her mom were very close, and I, I feared that when that moment came, she would lose it. She would fall apart. She wouldn't know what to do. But when I talked to her on that phone, on the phone that night, Rita shared that story with me and shared that she had a calm, a peace, an assurance that she had not predicted. In short, God had showed up. She took her eyes off the pursuing army of death. And what she had done was place them on Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we, we ask for your strength in this time of uncertainty. Father, it's so easy for us to get discouraged. Father, it's so easy for us to even get upset with you when things aren't working the way we want them to. But Father, help us keep our eyes on you. Father, help us take our eyes off our problems, take our eyes off these uncertain times and place them on you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. As my dad would say, if you happen to watch the teaser video I sent out on Friday, as my dad would say, uh, keep your eyes on the bag. Look at first base and run straight to the bag. As Moses would say, keep your eyes on the pillar.
Church, we'll see you next week. And remember this, God is still God. And God is in control.